Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 13th, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs, beginning with the second paragraph on page 94, Your Candidate May Give Reasons, through the first paragraph on page 95, which ends with, You Will Do Anything to Help. Today's readers are Zakia J., Leon B., Craig F., Allison L., and Martha Z. The reference number for Sunday, August 12th, 2018's special edition meeting is 11780. That's 11780. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Zakia J. to read the 12 steps of OA. Thank you so much. I'm Zakia J., a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Thank you, Zakia J. I will now ask Leon B. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, Leon B., Recover Compulsive Overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. The 12 traditions, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are our trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Okay. Thank you, Leon B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, and I'll be timing the shares. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 7, Working with Others, with the last paragraph on page 94 and the first paragraph on page 95, 
Your candidate may give reasons through you will do anything to help. I will now ask Craig F. to please read them for us. Good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you for your service. Um, Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic housekeeping, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kid as spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked for you. Offer him fellowship and friendship. Tell him if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. Well, it seems to me that uh, what Bill is saying in these two paragraphs is uh, to tell us not to let our character defects get in the way of helping somebody. You know, um, my... uh, um, tendency is to rush people um you know to uh, uh my my ego would would want to tell people that i know best how to do this and uh you know uh let's get on with it even when they're not ready um but that would be my character defect getting in the way um you know if he wants to argue um he may give reasons why he need not follow the program um, and, and don't contradict such views. In other words, if I argued with him, with somebody, um, it simply entrenches them in their opinion. They begin to build up uh, reasons and defenses why they shouldn't uh, do those things and or can't do those things, and 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 that doesn't help them. You know, that would be my ego getting in the way of uh, of, of helping somebody. So. Um, you know, what what it really comes down to is that the only thing we can do for people here usually is to tell our story, how it worked for us, what we were like, so that, we're you know, they, they see that uh, we were uh, in the same situation they, they were. Uh, you know, they can identify. Uh, in other words, we, we ask people to identify in, and we give them our story so they can identify with it. And uh, we tell them what works for us, but we don't necessarily know what will work for them, uh, you know. So uh, we just let them find find a path by showing them the path we did. You know, I like that uh, I, I like that story about the guy in the hole. That, you know, the doctor couldn't help, the family couldn't help, the friends couldn't help uh, because they did, they 
could shame him for being in the hole, but they um, they couldn't show him the way out, you know. And the and the best thing I have is to be able to say I was in that same hole, and uh, uh, say over here, this is the way I got out. Here's some steps, and uh, shine a flashlight on the steps and say this is the way I found that I got out, and uh, uh, you know, without telling them what to do, and, with, and without um, without preaching to them and, and telling them about how great life is out of the hole, but to simply say, this is what happened. Uh, this is what I was like. This is what happened. This is what it's like now. And uh, let them identify in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Chuck Katie K. from Boston. This is- Okay, wait, wait, wait. I heard Chuck K. I heard Katie G. And then I heard Larry K. And who else did I hear that I didn't get catch? Reva P. Reva P. Barbara E. Barbara E. Janice PM. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. How about if we stop there? Chuck K, Katie G, Larry K, Reva P, Barbara E, Janice P M, and Jody EQ. Chuck K, please go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. I'm Chuck K. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? Yes, Chuck. Good morning. So what I heard loud and clear with that share or that reading was, stop playing God. And I'm currently working on step two with my sponsor, and one of the questions is, how has my compulsive eating affected my relationships, particularly my family and uh, my friends and my work? And one of the common things, of course there are several, (laughs) is I want to play God. I want to tell everybody else what to do. I want to control everybody. I want to be in control. And what program reminds me of is I can't do that. And uh, I need to take a back seat and I need to let my higher power uh, guide me. And and if I'm trying to control situations, that's not going to happen. And I often hear the the phrase that there's an easier, softer way. And this is a very good set of instructions that helps me do that. So all I have to do is sit back, listen to the instructions, and apply them to my life. And things will work out a lot lot better rather than me trying to go around telling everyone what to do and not listening. So thank you very much. Thank you, Chuck K. Katie G., you're next. Good morning, Ms. Rebecca. Good morning, my friends. Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Lots of things coming up in my mind today. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sponsoring because you're sick. I'm sponsoring because I'm sick, and this is my solution today, right? And um, this is a process of unlearning for me. Um, I'm not a teacher, right? Like I'm not, and I'm not here to lecture. Um, how many times have I rebelled at other people telling me what to do? And the truth is, I may not have your answer, and that's okay, right? Like you may just be a hard eater, and our book teaches me like hard eaters can look as bad as me or worse, 
but you you may not need to do what I do. And and that's the beauty of our our community. You know, there are things that I do in my program that not everybody has to do, and and I'm sure vice versa. I mean, I have to follow this program of recovery, but there are different differences in terms of frequency of sponsorship, you know, a lot of different things. Um, so I don't have the answers, and I'm not here to lecture or moralize. Um, and that's amazing. And again, like I don't, I don't fight my own disease, so I'm not here to fight anybody else's. Um, and this whole idea about giving them a chance to think it over—that's, you know, something that's been newer that I've integrated into my program, where I have some questions that, um, you know, when people call and they're asking me to sponsor them, you know, being a sponsor and a sponsee are, are big commitments. And yeah, I'm here and willing to get someone started, but. But I agree, like, let's take some time. Let's take some time. Let's ask some questions. Let's see if we identify in. Let's see what you think, you know, when you're doing some careful examination, prayer and meditation. And, you know, I get people, and this was said last week, but it, to me, it, it bears repeating. I get people who are like, give me the food plan. Give me the, I want to get started with the food. I want to get, and they're not, they're not, um, it, it, it is about the food, right, because we have to be entirely abstinent. But if you're looking to me for just a check-in for a Weight Watchers, I, I can't, I'm not going to do it because um, I've had to change my whole life. And that's what this program is for me. It, it, it's, it's changing my whole life. Um, and again, I'm not here to lecture or shove it down your throat or tell you what to do um, because, I don't, again, I don't know what's best for you. I don't know what's best for me. But I do. I do know that after a while, this program of recovery seems to be doing uh, what is best for me. And um, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I'm not rebelling today. You know, thank you, God, that I got into a position like if you're in a position where you're in so much pain that all you know is what you're doing is not working, get on your knees or something and praise God because that is the best gift that I can have. Like when I was desperate, dying, and doomed, and I went from yes, but to yes, ma'am, help me, tell me what to do, like that's when I started getting free, right? I stopped questioning. Um, and as a, But as a sponsor, like I don't know who I'm here to teach, um, but I'm just going to keep showing up, sharing what works for me, and seeing what I can learn. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie G. Larry Kay. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for, for your service. Um, let me set my timer here. You know, it, it talks about we, um, you know, that uh, we show them, you know, how this worked for me. You know, we, a certain amount of desperation is going to be necessary. It was necessary for me before I was ready for this spiritual change. And, um, you know, I, and, and, and I thought, I expected that when I had surrendered to this higher power through these steps, I thought things would improve. I thought um, it's as though I thought that that God would come in and um, and 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 change my house here, give it a, a new paint job, maybe some new shutters, a new roof. And instead, you know what happened is it felt as though as soon as I surrendered, you know God hit it with a giant wrecking ball. You know it was like, sorry, son. Um, you know he seemed to say there were, there were cracks in the foundation. You know, there's rats running around in the bedroom. You know, there's, you got crumbs all over the place here. He hit it with the wrecking ball. And neither my intellect nor my willpower had been able to pull me from the quicksand. And see, I thought that, you know, if I relaxed or surrendered, 
that was resigning. And I was wrong because I had been bamboozled by life. I thought that I had to fight and work harder to make something happen. And I, you know, when it came to a spiritual surrender, I had to be down on my knees completely. And the mess got really thick, you know, and, and I didn't feel, you know, a sense of peace descend on me. Maybe I did in the beginning for about 30 seconds. And after that, I just felt like I had been busted as this wrecking ball, you know, broke everything apart. But that's what needed to happen, see. And actually, this program of action teaches us uh, to surrender the fight completely. The combat is over. It would actually be a hindrance to my recovery because the spiritual journey found in these steps, at least for me, is about relinquishment. It's about unlearning of fear. It's about acceptance and compassion back into my heart to serve my higher powers, my ultimate purpose. And the miracle in the steps for me was the shift in perception where all attitudes and ideas were replaced by new perceptions. See, the world looks different for me today in the mist and the fog began to clear slowly as I worked through these steps. It's like there's a spiritual world beyond the world that I, I used to be able to see with my physical eyes. And somehow working the steps enabled me to see something beyond the physical. And I didn't know that that existed. I thought the miracle was, you know, was something otherworldly, metaphysical. But I came to realize the miracle was just a shift in my perception. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry K. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I wanted to share on these two paragraphs from both the perspective of being on either side of working with others, the giving end and the receiving end. And it's really clear in these paragraphs that from the giving end, when I am taking on sponsors or doing 12-step work, I have to really temper my enthusiasm. And um, if somebody, and I find it's not so much the new people, it's the people who are already in the rooms. Um, If someone is trying to tell me how they don't really need to do all the steps or how they can just let go and let God and use that slogan, and not really have to do 10, 11, and 12 thoroughly um, to get freedom. I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm not here to moralize um, because that hard energy is not going to work anyway. And I have to remember that it's the disease ultimately that convinces me and anyone to work my buns off like my hair is on fire um, so that I can be uh, free and recovered. And the thing I wanted to share the most was being on the receiving end um, of step 12. And it says, show him how they worked with you. Oh, and I have been on the receiving end of this program because I ended up in the hospital last week. And the shares from people who shared experiences in a hospital and getting through abstinently and seen um, and the shares from people who have gotten through really life tragedies and stuck on with program um, in abstinence and recovery 
and being on the receiving end of I can't tell you how many texts and voicemails and phone calls showing me like this big show and tell how we get through life, how we get through unexpected things and coming out the other side not just abstinent but well and loved and cared for. And bonus, my roommate was one of us and I get to show her um, having all my books with me and listening to this meeting in the hospital and all the visitors. Really, it's attraction, not promotion. And it is just so awesome, both ends of working with others. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Reva P. Barbara E. Good morning, everyone. And thank you, Rebecca, for moderating and Riva, welcome back. So glad you're here with us today. Well, for me, my experience is basically that of meeting people at face-to-face meetings. So it's a little bit different than what I'm hearing today. I stress fellowship, sponsorship, freedom from isolation, the fact that I felt a part finally, of something, not apart from. I tell about my personal experience and ask about theirs. I don't rush them. I offer friendship and fellowship and say that I will help in any way I can, but it's up to them. My suggestion is they come back and listen for several meetings to see if they can identify in. I focus on the need for abstinence. And unless I've learned that they are already a part of another 12-step program, then I don't stress the two other legs of the stool at that time. I don't let my ego get into into it. I don't lecture them. I don't give them the opportunity to build up defenses because I know I'm oppositional in nature. And if you point your finger at me, I'm going to dig my heels into the ground and say, no, no, no. I know for me, I sponsor for my own health and well-being. I can't be anyone's savior. I don't want to lecture. I want to give them time to think. If they come into a meeting such as we run, then of course I go into the need for the 12 steps because I really needed that scraping down, that getting rid of the burdens that have been plaguing me all my life. If they're ready, if they think they're one of us and they're ready to change their life, I'm ready to be there. But I don't want to scare them off. That's it. I thank you all and I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. Janice P.M. Well, good morning to you again, Rebecca F., and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice P.M., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, your candidate may give reasons. Oh, boy, was that me. You know, um, before I was clear 
on my condition of this hopeless situation. Um, I had all kinds of reasons. I, I, we could all have a reason. I'm sick. Somebody died. You don't know. I don't have the time right now. There's we could go on. And then some of them are, are, are reliable. I mean, they're not reliable, but you know, yeah, we, it's a very inconvenient time. Sometimes death is inconvenient. Sickness is inconvenient. Uh, but, you know, I was a rebellion, and I really rebelled mostly at the drastic house cleaning <laughs> that requires um, discussion with other people because I still wanted to hold on what I wanted to hold on. And um, I know today if I didn't take the action plan that I doubt, <laughs> I know that I, I would never be and, and act and, and feel and get through what I'm going through on a daily basis if I didn't do this, and if I didn't have the fellowship, my goodness, uh, the fellowship in the in the plan of action. I mean, like was said, the fellowship brought me through these past few weeks. Believe me, even though I didn't return a lot of the calls, I know you know who you are. You were in my heart, and you brought me through this because without this family. Um, you know, I, I know I wouldn't get through, and of course the grace of God. But I, I, I know I didn't come in for that. I didn't come in for fellowship. You know, I mean fellowship, friends. You know, but you know that's going to be the result. Now, if you've already got a solution, I mean, you really don't need this, you know. But if you don't have a solution, like I did not have a solution to my problem, this is where it's it's going to be. And yeah, people were very nice, but you know, I still wanted to do what I wanted to do. Or, on the other hand, when I did get recovered and I wanted you to get it, I would be the, uh, you know, the, the preacher, uh, you know, do what I say, do what I do, um, you know, that sort of thing. And, of course, the most important thing we have to remember as sponsors is we do not give a spiritual awakening to our sponsees. Their success is not the sponsor's success. Their success is the their higher power success. Because if it was my success, I would have done it long ago. And I think that's the most important thing to remember here. If they if they want it, fine. Some people don't want it. So you can't give it to them. You may think they want it, but but they really don't because they don't do the action. And uh, yeah, just be a friend. Just tell them you want to be there to help them out. Nice and easy. That's all. And let them go if they if they don't want it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice PM. Jody EQ. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovering in California. So this is a list of do's and don'ts, what I am to do and what I am not to do as a prospective sponsor or guide. So do not contradict his views or her views. So again, I'm told, do not argue, do not contradict. I don't need to. I don't need to enter into argument. The disease will do the arguing. Do not wear out my welcome. Do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. So what do I do? Tell him that I once felt as he does, 
but doubt I would have made much progress had I not taken action. So I simply share my experience. Tell him about the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. Lend him a copy of this book. Steer, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, he will do anything to help. Just so many instructions. You make it, they make it very simple. I don't have to moralize. I don't have to lecture. I don't have to preach. I simply listen for a while share my experience, strength, and hope, and then wait a while. Do you want it or don't you? Are you willing to become entirely abstinent? Are you willing to work these steps? Give him time to figure it out for himself. Don't moralize or lecture. Who am I to moralize or lecture? And as far as that goes, I shouldn't be doing that to anyone, not just to potential sponsees, but to anyone. Who am I to preach from any moral or spiritual hilltop? I have done that, and it has pushed people away. It pushed my ex-husband away. So thank God for this book and these instructions, and with, uh, with the grace of God, Maybe I will help another compulsive overeater, and that's what I'm here to do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody EQ. We read the last paragraph on 94 and the first paragraph on 95. Who else would like to share on those paragraphs? Lisa B. Kim Lisa G. G. Kim G. Do L. I got you, do. Terry Sue. I'm just a slow writer. Terry Sue, did you? I'm sorry, say that again. Terry C. Terry with a K? Yes. No, Terry with a T as in Thomas. T. T. Yes. And C Mm -hmm. as in cat? Correct. Thank you. Thank you, Terry C. Anyone else? Okay. Lisa B, Kim G, Do L, Terry C. Lisa B, please go right ahead. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you so much for your service and all the shares. I've, like, you're my, my teachers. You know, I learn so much. And so the line that jumps out for me is, um, if you do stay, let the let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. So this is such a masterful program, the 12 steps, because while I'm working and living in these steps every day, I am becoming more and more of the person that my higher power wants me to be. That's just a natural process of what happens. And working with others, I've often said, is like playing the violin in public, especially as a new big book guide, a new sponsor, because my defects are just in full bloom, wanting to control, wanting to be heard, wanting to dominate. And I'm learning to wear... Um, what is it they say, wear the world like a loose loose garment? Ah, That's never been something that came easy to me. So my listening skills, I have to ask my higher power to help me hear 
this person and what they're saying to me, often I try to hear between the words and I can hear the hesitation. I can hear the pauses and the apprehension and the doubt. You know, sometimes they'll say, well, I don't know if I'm really hopeless, but I know that I don't like where I am now. You know, I have to hear those things and ask my higher power to guide me. And I'll just share from my experience in working or living step 12 is um, I continue to go through a refining process. I go through this oven and I get baked and burned and sometimes it's painful and difficult and hopefully many of those baking and burning processes is not really clear to the sponsee or the protege, but it's something that I'm working out with my higher power in 10 steps and 11 steps with other recovered fellows. You know, I, I find I need to do 10 steps regularly in working with others and continue to go in prayer and meditation. Please show me how I can be helpful and useful to this person. So what happens for me when working with others is I try to share with them that this is a miraculous program. It is miraculous with these 12 steps, but it's not magical. And I'm so grateful for the honesty that my Big Book Guide shared with me. And you guys may not like this, but what she shared with me when I was on the fence and wanting to possibly go forward is, she said, Lisa, there are times when I was going through these steps that it was hell. And I'm grateful she told me that, you know, that I, I saw that it really did require work. And I'm glad that she shared that honestly with me. The other thing I love to share with people is that middle-of-the-road solution, that it is possible to live in a middle-of-the-road solution and never get recovered and never go bankrupt and die, just be in this yucky, horrible, gray place. The other thing I love to share is that being recovered is so different than anything I ever knew it would be, that it's this gift inside of me that's never been unwrapped and unpacked and gone out into the world. And that's what came for me as a result of doing these steps. So I, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I love this line. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say that you rushed him. You know, common conversations I have with people on the phone is, you know, well, I've been in OA for 10, 15 years. I've been through the steps many times. I just need to start at step 10. I just need to do a fourth step. You know, and, oh, yeah, I know steps one, two, and three. You know, and, and that, I remember having that same argument after being in OA for 17 years myself. You know, we always talk about these first 164 pages, but the way that I look at it, really, it's the first 103, including the doctor's opinion, which tell us how to do the steps. After 103, it's about life after you've recovered. So if we look at that way, 103 pages plus the doctor's opinion, that the doctor's opinion, more um, Bill's story, there's a solution, more about alcoholism, that's 52 pages. That means literally half the instructions are step one. You know, and I have to tell you, this is this was my understandings of steps one, two, and three in the first 17 years in a way. Step one was that food and weight was my problem. And when they asked if there were any other compulsive overeaters here, I would raise my hand saying, yes, I'm fat. I don't want to be fat anymore. Or I'm not fat and I'm terrified of getting fat again. When I thought of step two, it was that I had to return to my childhood religion and that I had to have a relationship with God now before I moved to step three. And step three was basically Santa Claus. You know, I would give, take, give over my will and take it back. 
meaning I would give God this laundry list of things I wanted him to do in the day. And if I was a good little girl, then I would get the, the, the presents underneath my Christmas tree. And if I was a bad little girl, I was going to get cold in my stocking. If that sounds familiar to you, that is not steps one, two, and three. And my suggestion is get with a recovered person because you need to understand one, two, and three before you do a step four. And if I take your word for it and I let you start at step four, not only are you going to blame me, you're going to think the steps don't work. You know, I've had this situation, but I also have had this situation where someone has been at step four and their sponsor relapsed. And we've reviewed what steps one, two, and three are. And if I'm comfortable with it, I'll take them through the rest of the steps. But those first three steps are such a foundation. And when it says here, tell him if he, if he wants to get well, you'll do anything to help, what does that mean? You know, I often get people who say, yeah, well, you know, um, you know, I just need to get my doctor off my back about my diabetes. My daughter's getting married. I need to lose weight. I want a boyfriend. I just want the pain to stop, and then I'm going to go back to doing what I used to do. What does it mean if you want to get well? If you want to recover, that means you need to be willing to put the food down 100% and use these 12 steps of a way of life. So that question is a good question to ask yourself today if you are still suffering on this line. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Do L. Do. It's Rebecca. Can you hear me? We can't hear you. Star one. Or unmute your phone. Okay. Why don't we go to Terry C. Uh, Hi, Rebecca. Is that both do and Terry now at the same time? <laughs> I tried to unmute, but I, I got... Um, um, I You're got with us now, Do. Okay, Terry, we're going to let Do go as long as she's here, if you don't mind. So Do, I'll go ahead, and then I'll call on Terry C. All right, thank you so much. Um, hi, um, do, uh, do L, uh, Recover Compulsive Reader from New York, and... I, I really love this, um, you know, because it, it, it tells us to, to call on our common sense, you know, when to speak, when not to speak, when um, when to uh, proceed and, and when not to proceed. And, um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, it says never talk down to an alcoholic from the moral or spiritual high top. Simply lay out the, the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. And then it warns us, you know, not to lecture the person. And I, I was thinking, you know, what's what's the difference between a lecture and what, you know, what we learned in in the beginning of this chapter, working with others about practical experience. And the difference is, you know, we're not to give advice. We're not to become somebody's therapist or counselor or, you know, mother or father figure. Um, it's about you know, practical experience. And what is practical is putting the information, these simple, uh, simple steps um, and laying it out at their foundation so that they can expect it. And then it's up to them to do the work, you know. 
and and that's what I do when I when I start sponsoring with people. Um, you know, I I let them know we're gonna go straight from the big book. We're gonna uh, you know basically go through the outline that's there. Um, you know, am I gonna give practical experience to the the sponsee? Of course. You know, I'm gonna let them know what worked for me. Um, you know, is that lecturing? No, you know, because it's a suggestion. It's a practical suggestion. Um, you know, it is not a lecture. Uh, you know, now if I start, you know, telling them what to do and and how to do it and, you know, it has to be my way, uh, you know, and, and this is, and I give them a long speech uh, about, you know, how things have, have to be then that is me playing God with them. And, and that's something that I'm discouraged from this reading not to do. Um, however, I am going to give them what has worked um, for me in this program, you know, and, and, you know, they could take it or they could leave it, you know, but, you know, it shouldn't be confused with lecturing because uh, some, sometimes, um, a, spon a newcomer will come to the uh, sponsor and, and they say, well, I, I, I think you're lecturing me, you know, and it's probably a practical suggestion. Maybe going to that restaurant where you binged is not a good place to go while you're in early recovery. You know, if that's where you binged your face off, uh, if you went to a food buffet, maybe that's not the place to go. Now, you could go there and you could binge your your face off but you know my suggestion is that maybe you shouldn't go you know Three minutes. And, and that's that's not that's not a lecture that's a practical experience because i know if i've done it and i wasn't successful probably you're not going to be successful too you know so i just wanted to point that out because sometimes um people can hear lecture and think that practical su suggestions are lectures, and they're not. They're two different things. And I just wanted to point that out and that, that I passed. Thanks, Sue L. Terry C., thanks for waiting. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Terry C. Good morning. Uh, thank you, moderator, and thank you for orchestrating everything so beautifully this morning. Uh, my name is Terry C. I'm recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And uh, one of the things that I had to speak for these two paragraphs because they're very, uh, they've been important to me for a long time in my role as a guide. And I think because I love the literal direction that we get in the big book. And um, I needed scripting when I became a guide. And as one of our fellows shared already this morning, um, tempering my, my enthusiasm, my conviction sometimes is necessary. It's still necessary. And I need scripts. I need scripts so that I remember what's suggested that I should say um, because being in myself, I want, to, um, I want to say so much more and I want, you know, I want to really, uh, you know, talk sometimes too much about the spiritual realm in the beginning. Uh, I want to do these things that just come out, flow out of me naturally, but 
they're kind of self-serving, you know, because I'm getting wrapped up in what I know and what I think and what I'm on fire about. And these things are, uh, these directions remind me of how to think of the, the other fellow, the other fellow that isn't where I am. And it's, you know, it, and when it says tell him, then that's my cue. Terry, just stick to the script. Don't get into anything else. Tell him exactly what happened to you. Tell him of your food habits and your experiences. And then on these two paragraphs, often, you know, I want to translate it as resistance when someone doesn't want to do either, you know, doesn't want to work with me or doesn't want to, um, you know, start to study the book or get, you know, practice abstinence or whatever the case may be. This says, you know, there's lots of reasons that he might want, might need, uh, that he need not follow the program. This says, tell him you once felt as he does. And that reminds me, I have to get back to where she is. I have to get back to that, that, that feeling of fear, afraid of doing it. It's not resistance, it's fear, you know, uh, fear of the truth, perhaps. And then tell them, I doubt whether I could have made progress had I not taken action, whatever that action may be, because there's lots of action to take. And then the last direction, tell him if she wants to get well, you'll do anything to help. Because that may not happen now, but it may happen at another time. And I'm just so grateful. I often tell people I work with to pay attention to these two paragraphs that they may be helpful in exactly what to say. Because often we do get that person who's afraid to go further. They ask for a guide, but and but they're afraid. They're afraid of of what they don't know and what they haven't experienced. And these two paragraphs just remind me to empathize and get back there. So uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Terry C. We have time for probably two more shares. Anybody want to take them? Melissa C. Melissa Hi, C. Sherry W. And Sherry W. I'll go with Thank the you. two of you. Thank you. Melissa C., go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Thank you. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And just time me because I don't have my timer handy. Um, thank you. Uh, you know, so, like, we have to meet people exactly where they're at. And um, that's really what jumped out to me here, that if, um, if I'm speaking with someone and this program sounds extreme and drastic, um, I have to remember that um, I one time felt that way too, that um, that these steps, you know, the thought of doing an inventory, the thought of making amends um, sounded really drastic. It sounded crazy. And, you know, when people, and even like food-wise, that, that some of that sounded insane to me. And um, I'm grateful that People didn't, like, ram it down my throat, but they just um, continued to live recovered, continued to model. And, you know, when I, when I personally found out um, that the things that were extreme and drastic were reasonable, um, when every drastic measure I tried to control this found, you know, then it suddenly seemed um, quite, like, yeah, interesting and, and reasonable. Um, and, and, you know, if, so when I speak to someone and they're not at that point yet where they still, you know, if they still think they're going to fit this program into their life, into the structure of their life, 
Um, I'm not here to tell them that's not the case. I'll tell them what happened for me. And what happened for me was that um, I had no life worth trying to fit a program into. You know, I had to just have a, a new life. And, um, but we don't, you know, if I, if I do all the talking and, um, and I don't listen to where a person is at, that's fraught the emotional appeal. That's like giving them more of probably what their family is giving them, telling them what to do, telling them what they need to do. And that didn't work for me, and it doesn't work for anybody else. So, yeah, I meet people where they're at, and I think about it like like my job, my occupation, what I do. You know, I teach second grade. I teach kids how to read. I don't teach kids how to, you know, how to read National um, you know, Geographic. I teach them how to read basic stuff. And maybe that's just my job with the sponsee too. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa C. Sherry W. Hi, this is Sherry W. I'm working on my recovery with my response with my sponsor and I'm new at this uh, vision for you. And um I just wanted to comment on two lines. Um, the first one being your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. I certainly can identify in with that because um, that is how I had done it in the past with um, regular face-to-face OA meetings. Um, I looked at it as a a menu where I could uh, pick uh, one from column A and maybe two from column B and leave the rest or take what I like and leave the rest. But as I've read elsewhere, half measures availed me nothing or availed us nothing, however it's written. And I have to follow all of the steps. I have to be willing to do it and not think of excuses or exceptions for why I don't do it. The other thing as a newer comer is um, if he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed him. And what I hear there is the finger of blame, which I used to do. Oh, those people didn't call me back. Here's my reasons as I looked at it or my rationalizations for why I could continue using what I saw food as my drug of choice so I wouldn't have to feel bad, lonely, hungry, angry, whatever. Um, They're just excuses to blame others instead of taking my own inventory and working on my own recovery and letting everybody be who they're going to be and accepting everything and everyone just the way it is. That doesn't mean I have to be tolerate abuse, but I have to love everybody in the way that they are. But I don't have to like them, and I don't have to be around them if if I find that it upsets me. Same thing with going to places that um, may be trouble for me. They may be better later on. I had to go to a party and I had to eat prior to going there because I didn't know what they would have. I didn't want to ask. And I know that the hostess was going to keep pressing me. So 
I had to do what I had to do to take care of myself. I just want to say thanks to everybody. I know everybody's here for their own recovery, but you help people who are newer to this type of program. Um, and I'm glad that I'm following the vision program because it was the final frontier for me. Um, I knew that nothing else was going to work. So thanks for allowing me to share and thanks for all your service. Thank you, Sherry W. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting. When I checked, there were 360 of us on the line and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, August 13th, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 11782. That's 11782. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Allison L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Hi, yes, I will. Thank you for your service. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.